Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, so we are joined here today by my right-hand man, reoccurring guest, Andy Bellavia, as well as first-time guest, uh, Dr. Cliff Olson. So, Andy, Cliff, why don't you guys go around and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be on the show again. I'm Andy Bellavia. In my role at Knowles, I'm responsible for marketing and business development for in-ear devices, which are not regulated hearing aids. So music, earphones, radio communications, and hearables are, that's my business. I'm also a hearing aid wearer, been a hearing aid wearer for a couple of years. And in fact, I'm talking to you through my uh, Phonak Marvels at this very moment, Bluetooth connected to the computer, which of course is one aspect of what we'll be talking about. Perfect. Cliff? Yeah, I'm Dr. Cliff Olson. Most people know me as Dr. Cliff AUD from my YouTube channel, but um, I'm also an audiologist out here in Phoenix, Arizona. I do run a clinic, Applied Hearing Solutions, out here. Um, and when I'm not seeing patients, basically the only thing else I do with my free time is uh, test different hearing devices, uh, see what their capabilities are, do reviews on them, and then educate consumers on hearing aid technology and, of course, best practices. And so, uh, it's a, it's an honor to be here with you guys today. Awesome. Well, thank you two very much for joining. Uh, yeah, Cliff is kind of like our industry superstar celebrity. Um, congrats, man. I mean, I was just taking a look at your YouTube channel. I see that you're close to 100,000 subscribers now. So that is an unbelievable achievement. And uh, really glad to have you on and, and joining the podcast uh, along Andy and me. Um, so For today's conversation, um, there's been a flurry of new hearing aids that have hit the market. And, you know, rather than kind of like dissect these different devices one by one, um, that's kind of what Cliff's channel is for. We thought that we would have a conversation, kind of a broad level conversation, speaking to what some of this new technology encapsulated in these devices really represent. And so you have like the new Phonak Paradise, uh, you have the Resound One, you have the Starkey Libio Edge AI, White X Moment, Cygnius Stiletto X, and then Oticon's Open S. So those are, I think, the new um, state-of-the-art hearing aids from each of the big manufacturers in the industry. And the way I want to kind of kick things off is to talk about the primary use case, right? Like the main reason people wear hearing aids is to, you know, be able to hear better, more or less. Like that's the most basic way to describe it. And I think that what's so fascinating to me about this, and we can start with either one of you two, um, is this idea that a lot of this new technology is helping us to solve historically challenging problems that have kind of presented themselves, whether it be speech and noise or the way that your own voice sounds in hearing aids. I just find this to be so interesting that along with a lot of these new techie features that I tend to focus on, the primary use case is kind of undergoing a a pretty profound transformation as well, which is really exciting because I think at the end of the day, if you can continue to increase that main reason that people will want to wear hearing aids, you're just going to increase the the user experience and you're going to make that whole, you know, experience that much better. And I think that much more compelling. So Cliff, I guess let's start with you. Like, what's your take on some of these new features that have come out and some of the new devices? Um, what gets you really excited about these, you know, as it relates again to the, like the amplification side of things and the, in the way that that all sounds. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the core is, is about audibility. And, and what I mean by that is anytime that I have a patient come in, of course, we would do a hearing test and we would identify Uh, where their hearing loss is at in relation to the frequency of their hearing loss and the intensity of their hearing loss. So the core thing with the hearing aid is to amplify appropriately at these different frequency ranges based on what that individual's hearing loss is. So the ability to customize the audio of a particular hearing device. Um, I think that the devices now, even back to when I first got in the industry, allow us to do better customization to match hearing loss prescriptive targets. 
Um, and of course, anyone who watches my channel knows that I'm a, I am a precisionist when it comes to matching you know, hearing loss prescriptions. And so the devices now, they, they give a, a high level of precision for me to go in and actually customize the audio. Because any other feature that we talk about today really is only as good as the hearing aid is programmed. So uh, for instance, if you severely under amplify a hearing aid, then it doesn't really matter what kind of noise reduction features, mm -hmm. what kind of you know, feedback suppression, you know, any other directionality, like all that stuff is really out the window mm -hmm. unless you get the core foundation right. But once you do get the core foundation right, so if you're doing relay verification, you know that you're hitting prescriptive targets, then it opens up this whole world of awesome features that these, these, all of these manufacturers have worked really hard to improve upon. And so I think the, the, the holy grail that everybody's looking for is the noise reduction, right? I mean, you go into a noisy environment and nine out of 10 individuals with hearing loss will tell you that, man, when I get into background noise, that's when things get difficult. Like I do pretty good and quiet when I'm facing someone and there's nobody else talking, but I go into these noisy situations like a restaurant or, you know, a religious service where, you know, they're, they're having conversation with a bunch of people, you know, at one time, all those other voices drowned everything else out. And a lot of these manufacturers, and they all take different approaches with it, which is kind of the cool thing. So it's about identifying what particular approach identifies with, that you identify with really. And so you go into these noisy situations and these hearing aids are specifically designed now to key in on the voice of the people that you want to hear. And, and, and that has significantly improved over the years. I, every single time I review another hearing aid, uh, they're talking about, you know, we have an additional signal to noise ratio improvement over our previous generation that came out two years ago. And it's going to get to a point where, you know, a lot of this innovative tech that these hearing aid manufacturers are working on, and, and I don't think it's just in hearing aids, it, it goes all over the place. Everyone's trying to solve this problem. You have, um, you know, uh, headphone manufacturers that are creating, you know, active noise cancellation and all of that that is, is going to improve the noise reduction capability of their headphones. And so, you know, when we see all this progression happening, we're seeing it working its way into hearing aids, which is a really cool thing. And if they can get that part of it figured out, you know, uh, what I call the holy grail, which is going into a noisy situation and having no difficulty, I think that that's going to be a really impressive thing. And, and we've already made a lot of headway on it. And I think they're going to keep uh, continuing to push that envelope. Yeah, I completely agree. That's so well said because you're right. Like one of the cool things about this is you have this myriad of, you know, approaches. And I think what's exciting is that, you know, because of this competition, you're kind of seeing, you know, okay, what's going to win out in certain elements. And I think that that kind of like blended um, approach, you know, you kind of take like, okay, maybe this particular manufacturer kind of had a good approach here. And I think that like, that's going to help to just accelerate the whole movement toward this. Andy, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, a couple of good points made by both you and Cliff. I mean, just to, to, to cap off the last thing you said, Dave, I mean, there are some people who say the hearing aid manufacturers are an evil cabal who are fixing prices and all this sort of thing. But in fact, when you, you have five major competitors in a market that ships, what, 16 or 17 million devices a year, that's a very competitive environment. And I dare say that the technology in hearing aids is, is accelerating more rapidly than they are in consumer earphones and hearable devices. All of the different things that Cliff just described, and even some of the outside features, like I think of the Bluetooth connectivity in mine, um, that the fact is, is that I can run these, you know, very comfortable, very discreet devices in my ears for 18 hours on a single charge and be Bluetooth to my computer or my phone all day long and very robust Bluetooth too. And when I'm streaming a podcast, I can do what very few uh, hearable companies can do with a touch of the button. I can uh, vary the, the mix between reality audio and streaming audio. These are very, very advanced features and the hearing aid companies are very much pushing the envelope. And you know what, what Cliff had said about the role of, a, of an audiologist in getting the core functionality of the hearing aid correct, I think is 100% spot on. And I think of my own experience when I first got to mine. When I first got them, 
uh, my audiologist had to turn them down because it was too much to bear actually, you know. And then a couple of weeks later, she put them where they belong. And first time I went to church after that, when the choir got going, the altos, when the altos got going, I was getting distortion in one ear. And it, to me, I mean, I've been a music guy my whole life. It sounded 100%, you know, like the driver, the speaker inside that hearing aid had gone bad. Totally sounded like that. I went back to my audiologist and described that. And she says, well, I'll check it, but it's not going to be the driver. It's not going to be the speaker. It's going to be your ear. And so after she checked it and it was okay, then we had some discussion about when I experienced the distortion and so on. And she's able to selectively change the compression on the ch channels of my affected hearing range. And so I could still get the best speech audibility you know, you're not just turning down the volume on everything, just making subtle changes to the compression in the area where I couldn't take full amplification to get an optimal hearing response, despite the fact that that ear is, you know, damaged beyond full amplification repair, if you will. And that's the role that the professional plays, and that will never go away either. I mean, for, for mild situational hearing loss, yeah, a simple amplification and filtering device you can buy off the shelf, great. But when you have severe or unusual kinds of hearing impairment, you're always going to need that sort of professional assistance. Yeah, I think that, you know, this, this idea that um, the professional assistance, I think, is such a good point here, because in so many different ways, this is enabling the providers. You described this scenario where you're at church. I mean, I think that what's so cool about this is that, you know, you can have in so many of these different devices now with the companion apps, I'm not saying that you pull up the app in church itself, but you can kind of like in real time almost have a conversation with your audiologist where you're, you know, kind of describing what's going on and you can have these remote, um, you know, that they can make these adjustments on the fly in real time. And I just think that's like representative of where this is going, where, you know, the provider in so many different ways represents kind of like the shepherd and the expert, right? Like they're the ones that are in charge for helping you to have that optimal experience and make sure that just like you said, where you're convinced in your mind, like, oh, it must be that the driver's distorted. And in reality, she's helping you to understand that, no, in fact, it's actually this just like, you need, you're kind of like re-experiencing what it's like to hear these sounds again. And it's almost alien to your brain to hear these again. And, and what's exciting though, is that I think that the, the technology is becoming so conducive for the providers to connect with their patients and be able to have those kind of conversations in real time. The other thing that I think is really interesting that's going on right now is that, you know, you've, we've basically seen, um, you know, you had the made for iPhone moment kind of thing that happened uh, about 10 years ago in this industry where the connect connectivity became a thing. And I think what we're starting to see is like, we're starting to see that connectivity, but in like at an even more micro level. And what I mean by that is you're now starting to have things like binaural processing. So I saw like with the Resound One, I was reading about that and it's fascinating the way this thing works. I mean, you basically have six microphones that work between the two hearing aids. And, you know, with that, you kind of have like this network basically, and you have this intelligent layer to these devices. And I'm seeing more and more of this where you sort of have this you know, call it AI or just call it like this kind of intelligent layer to the devices to where they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. With Phonak, it's like AutoSense 4.0, right? It's like this idea where the devices are in many ways compensating for what had previously been challenges. Like with Resound, I think the biggest question that people had when you put a microphone and a receiver in your ear canals, like what's going to happen with feedback? Well, if you have it with a network of six different microphones that are all sort of working in tandem, they can sort of signal to each other, like which one should be handling what, and that alleviates the whole feedback effect. And that's what I meant here at the onset is like the primary use case is really being innovated on by a lot of the computerization that the whole device set is going through right now. Like we're seeing with Bluetooth connectivity, you're getting the ability to tether the devices together and therefore you can do binaural processing. And so again, I continue to think that this is going to lead the way into just a much better experience because you're offloading a lot of that onto the devices itself. Like you can have 
in real time these adjustments on the fly and and that to me just screams like this is a big big deal that we're going through right now well there's so much to touch on with that really i mean uh you brought up a couple of interesting points number one is like this technology trying to you know fix all of these different things and really what the technology is doing is trying to get us to the point where our you know our natural hearing has the ability to do certain things and when we lose our hearing we lose the ability to do those things naturally. And so then you use a, an amplification device that's artificially going to you know, uh, create a situation where you should be able to hear better. But um, anytime you're using something artificial, it, it can take something away. It can uh, not give you back exactly what your normal hearing was, right? Uh, one of the things when you're talking about this binaural processing is, is binaural squelch, right? So you're talking about the Resound One device and this aspect that the, the hearing aid will be able to determine which ear is getting the better signal to noise ratio and then favoring that particular ear. Well, that is exactly what the human ear and brain will do with a normal ear. It will favor the side that gives you a better signal to noise ratio. Yes. And so they're taking technology to try to uh, replace that natural effect. Um, and that doesn't stop there, right? This whole idea of having a microphone inside of your ear canal gives you back your pinna effect which helps you in a background noise situation, helps you with directionality, helps you with all those things, right? So the, these manufacturers, the other cool thing about them is you're talking about the, the concept and the introduction of made for iPhone technology, something that was done, I, I wanna say I fit my first one back in 2014. So we're looking at around six years, a little over six years ago at this point. And it, the, the cool thing is, is that We've learned a lot from that point. And a lot of these manufacturers who are incorporating this made for iPhone or made for any phone, whatever type of technology, they were having to forego this binaural processing, giving up something else to get something, right? And now we're starting to embark in this, in this journey in technology where now they don't have to eliminate one thing to get something else. They've learned enough. They, they now have the computing power. They've been working hard at it. They're always innovating. Um, and now they have the ability to learn from what they've done in the past, which builds on the next thing. So stuff that, you know, we complained about as hearing care providers back in 2014 because, oh, well, the hearing aid gives up this or, you know, it's not that good yet. We need to go through that phase in order to get where we are now. And if we're excited about what's right now, just think in six years from now, the stuff that we're talking about right now and, and complaining about maybe even right now, is not going to be a problem in six years because these manufacturers are taking this information and this innovation and they're improving on it year over year. I completely agree. You know, the, the, the tech is racing along so quickly and I see a cultural convergence with uh, hearable devices as well. When you see Apple, for example, is now going to build into AirPods Pro, you know, situational hearing assistance. Now you're building a big awareness in the general population for hearing loss issues, right? Everybody will say they can't hear in a, in a super loud restaurant, but the stigma associated with that is going to start breaking down. There was the recent uh, Facebook blog post with Facebook Reality Labs and how they're working specifically on the restaurant problem. And even more telling, every year uh, Qualcomm, who's the, the largest manufacturer of Bluetooth chips for earphones, smart speakers, hearable devices. They do an annual survey called a state of play report and they just released the new one yesterday. And one thing buried in there is that 40% of the people they surveyed, and th these are ordinary consumers now, are interested in automatic hearing assistance. So when you walk into a large res large, loud restaurant, their, their hearable device will automatically kick into hearing assist mode. 40% of the people say they want that. And to me, that end of the convergence of hearable tech and hearing aid tech foretells the breaking down of the stigma finally so that more people will get their hearing loss addressed at whatever level it exists at the moment. I mean, that's what's so exciting here, really. I mean, that's what gets me so excited about this is that I think what we're really trending toward is, like you said, Andy, is the death of the stigma, right? Like this negative stigma, I see its, I see its end in sight. 
because what we're really seeing is that these are becoming in many ways lifestyle devices, right? Like hearing aids today, I think the connotation have that the providers in particular have an opportunity to really retell the story of why you would get one of these devices. And I think that just to Cliff's point at the beginning of the conversation where when you solve the main use cases here, when you really uh, optimize that primary use case, you know, without doing that, nothing else really matters because you're going to put one of these on, particularly for the like little lower ends of the market, mild, moderate, it, you're, you're actually that threshold, the user threshold there, their tolerance is really low because they don't perceive it as being much of a problem. So, you know, if you even get them to the point to where they're considering a device, if they have a poor experience, the way that it sounds, it's just like the, the, the overall experience isn't great. Everything else is kind of moot. But when you solve that, that's when things I think are really going to start to get interesting. And you're going to see this across the whole spectrum of devices because this whole idea, you know, I think it's a convergence of not only the devices, but it's also of what's happening with the internet in general, right? Like you touched on it earlier, Andy, but like, I think that you'll have a increasing amount of people that will seek out these types of devices that they can wear for extended periods of time because they now want to kind of dip in and out of the audio internet, right? Like you have instances where whether it be maybe you're a big fan of YouTube and you want to just be kind of like quickly perusing uh, what's going on in there. I would imagine that as time goes on in the same way that Bluetooth connectivity became more and more of a standard within the industry and it became a, a, a ex expectation among the consumer base, I think you're going to have a lot of this stuff become expectations as well. Like we're seeing with the voice assistant, like being able to just tap on your ear and being able to access that. Now that might be a novelty today, but you can see a future where that's something that a lot of people just come to expect and as part of the overall experience, the ability to, like I said, kind of like just quickly listen into a YouTube video that you're pulling up or seamlessly stream a podcast while you're out and about working throughout your day. Those are the kinds of things that are like, in my opinion, they're like the gravy on top, but they're the things that are going to drive a lot of people again to say, I've tried this thing. It's actually amazing. It sounds great. And it allows me to do all these things. Like it's a conduit into a much broader set of use cases. And to me, whether it be, you know, the consumer end where you're looking at hearables in this view, or if you're in the, on the, the more medical side and you do recognize that you have a hearing loss, I look at all those as like, that's just more incentive to go and try one of these out. And, and if we're going to have like these different tiers, when the FDA comes around and eventually publishes their guidelines around OTC, like you're going to have different entry points. And I think what we're seeing is like, it, it is an, it's a rising tide that's lifting all ships where you'll have, you know, on the high end, like there will be features that will always be on the cutting edge. Like I always think there's going to be this premium level, but you're going to have more and more things that become standardized throughout that. And what I think that ultimately translates into is this much different consumer expectations of what these devices are in a much, much more compelling value proposition. So like I look at it, you know, on the, on the sidelines here and I'm saying like, man, like this is a really, really exciting time to be a hearing care professional because I think that we're, even with all of this in mind, I think we're almost still kind of underestimating how big the demand really could be here when you start to kind of layer on all of these different reasons why you might wear a device like this. Yeah, but I I'm, agree. I mean, oh, go ahead, Andy. No, I was actually going to say, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about your current client base and how many of them are aware of these features and are seeking out these features. Well, I cheat a little bit because a lot of my patients are the people who watch my YouTube channel and all <laughs> about is this stuff all the time, <laughs> like all of the cool features that are out there, stuff that, I mean, we have people wanting to come in because they want these products and they're like, wait, I have to have a hearing loss to get one of these things. Like, <laughs> really? But you know, there's other, there's other products on the market too. I mean, it's not to say that you have to just go with a hearing aid to get a lot of these things. I mean, these things, some of the stuff we're talking about has been pioneered in other industries, right? You know, direct to consumer type, you know, products like headphones, earbuds, things like that. And the hearing aid industry, it, it, I think they're starting to identify that these are things that can enhance the, the, the basic use case of a hearing aid, right? And so it's really nice to see that kind of blend. And I think the hearing aid uh, industry does things certain things better 
from that perspective. And I think that the, the consumer electronics industry does other things better. And I think that we're going to start to kind of see this more of this convergence as time goes on. I think that stigma is dramatically dropping. Um, I think that a lot of stigma is held in the, in the, the much older generations. And I, and I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a generational, you know, type, you know, <laughs> who, who thinks like, oh, just cause you know, you're in that generation that you fit this, this mold. But um, I can tell you that w- when I start working with patients who are like 65 and under, almost none of them care about what the hearing aid looks like or the fact that, that it might be seen by somebody. Nobody mm-hmm. cares about that. They want to know what this hearing aid can do to solve the, the problem of hearing, but what other cool things that it can do to just enhance lifestyle. And I talk about that a lot. I mean, do you need Bluetooth? You don't need Bluetooth. It's really nice to have, and you might eventually use it to the point where you feel like you need it, as much as I, you know, need this smartphone here, I don't need this smartphone. I want this smartphone mm-hmm. that it does for me, but I don't really need it. So, you know, the question becomes is, are the things that are coming out, are those, that, are those things that people are going to want to have? And I believe that they are. So I'm going to beg to differ with you a little bit on the Bluetooth specifically, especially in these pandemic times, okay? Because listening to a Zoom meeting through the speakers of my computer is nothing like having hearing corrected audio delivered directly to my ears. The intelligibility is 100 times better when I stream them directly to my hearing aids and not using the microphones to listen to a speaker. And phone calls are the same. I've never tried it with a telecoil, the classic method, right? But phone calls taken through the hearing aids, you know, and that would apply to made for iPhone as well as the Bluetooth that I have, but the intelligibility of phone call is fantastic through them. And so I would say actually that the connectivity is not just a nice to have for a hearing impaired person. It's really a game changer in terms of being able to function in a digital world. Well, I would concede to you on that one. Um, I would make the slight argument that we've had the ability to do like, so telecoil, right? We've had the ability to do that. We've had the ability to use near-field magnetic induction for years of, of taking audio and putting it directly into hearing aids. Um, but you're right. I think that that is definitely a game changer for a lot of people, depending on what they're looking for. And for individuals like yourself, who you do a lot of this you know, interactivity with different electronic devices and being able to hear that direct audio input, uh, both from your computer, your phone, your TV perhaps, uh, are absolutely a game changer. And yeah, I, I, I think that you're both hitting on something here, though, which is that this whole, div- like the, the way that we even perceive these things has changed. It's now, it's no longer just like, this is something that's going to allow for me to enhance my ambient environment. Like there's a digital side to things too. And I think to Cliff's point, like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these things are kind of quote unquote, nice to haves. But I think it's that the threshold in which you look at that is like, at what point does it become something where, you know, like how, how thin is that line between a nice to have and a need to have? Yeah, which goes into the greater discussion about hearing loss in general, right? I mean, uh, today the attitude in the United States is that proper hearing is kind of a nice to have, right? Insurance doesn't cover it, you know, it's not. Medicare doesn't cover it, you know, all of those issues, right? And so you're right. That's exactly where is the line of nice to have and need to have. Okay. So, you know, I would say that if a person severely hearing impaired, it's a need to have because of all of the research being done with respect to dementia and other comorbidities and the social isolation and everything else, right. That, uh, you know, that addressing hearing loss is a need to have. And now the next layer down, okay. In the modern world, what are the different ways I communicate? And so is it a need to have or a nice to have to address those different, those different ways people communicate today through the phone, through the computer, through Zoom meetings, whatever, right? So that there are levels to it, but I think increasingly the connectivity of the hearing aid to digital devices will also become a need to have because that's how people are communicating with their friends, with their family, their loved ones, and to isolate them from that ability to communicate you know, it, it, that's what drives it towards more need to have than nice to have. 
Yeah, the funny thing is that this Bluetooth connectivity is now what allows me to program a, a set of hearing aids with my patients who live on the East Coast um, and, and up in the northern states. And, you know, when they're not here in the summertime because they're snowboarding or whatever the case may be, I now have the ability to actually go into the hearing aids and make adjustments uh, to those devices, run diagnostics through the devices uh, remotely. So there's a lot of other things other than just streaming in audio uh, that you can now do with it. And this has been a progression. And I think that, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic thing happening, I think it really kind of thrust a lot of that stuff to the forefront to where now people are not viewing this remote programming capability as a nice to have. It has really turned into a necessity for a lot of individuals. And so it's, it's but, but that wouldn't be a possibility if we didn't push the envelope from the Bluetooth from the beginning. Um, you know, dating back, you know, to the, the early, you know, 2010s, I guess we'll call them. I don't know how uh, we're, we're all going to phrase that here in the future, like, oh, back in the 20s, the 30s, right? <laughs> but uh, that has I really- like my parents. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's going to be funny when I think of the, the 20, like the 1920s, like the roaring 20s. Right. What are these right. 20s going to be considered, right? Yeah, right. The flaming yeah. 20s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, the the I really like this though because I think that what we're you know what's interesting about this is that you know you look back at that moment, Cliff, where it's like when the first made for iPhones came out, which is great because it obviously spurred on all this connectivity. But the other thing that it did is it incentivized the manufacturers to create apps, and I think that's so important to point out because here we are today we're kind of in a weird way, this is weird to say, but we're kind of lucky that, that the pandemic happened in 2020 and not say 2015, because you actually had the infrastructure in place to enable a lot of this really good, you know, way in which you, that you can remain connected between provider and, and patient. And I think that it's these apps now that I think are going to get really interesting because, uh, you know, I was talking about this with Jason Mayer, a couple episodes ago, which is like, you know, this whole accelerant, like the COVID can kind of be perceived as the great accelerant because you had, you know, um, he cited, I, I forgot what it was, but he said that their, their estimates, uh, their estimates in, in terms of digital adoption for, for some of these different remote services, uh, in two months time, they achieved what they had set out to do in 10 years time. So you literally have this, like it's condensed into this tiny piece of time and so now the question like becomes, well, what happens? And I think that this whole idea of being able to facilitate your expertise in a much more conducive manner, like I feel like for you in particular, Cliff, um, given that you're, you're really ahead of, I think like the, the, the curve here on this, where you understand that like, there's so much value here in that if you can, if you can access that value more efficiently and you can, in you know, more or less spread that value out um, across the country, whoever it might be. Again, it comes back to this kind of recurring theme I've been having on the podcast lately, which is like, this is all kind of setting up for a really, really potentially opportunistic time and fortuitous time for the professionals, because not only is the technology getting so good, but the, the infrastructure and like the plumbing and in terms of how you connect one to another is getting so good too. And so therefore it allows you to facilitate that connection and, and that value. And I just look at it as like, if you're a provider that's, that is on the forefront here, that's willing and, and, and embracing this, all this new technology, it's setting you up to really kind of be a service oriented uh, business model, you know, as opposed to just like selling devices. Now you can really kind of flip the whole equation to like, obviously you're still going to sell devices and that's going to be a big part of your revenue. But I think a, a really big part of it too is going to be on your time, more or less, and your expertise. That's what it was from day one. When I started my clinic in 2017, my main focus was, I am not going to be a dealer of hearing aids. I'm going to be the expert that people rely on to make those hearing aids work the best that they possibly can, right? And be an advocate for my patients in order to get them the highest amount of benefit possible. And, you know, it's, I think that the tide is going to change with it. You're not going to, you don't come to me if you just want to get like the lowest cost of a hearing aid. Like I can't do that for you, 
right? You're going to spend money with me so I can optimize things for you. And so when you are across the country, I can make adjustments for you. I can facilitate repairs. I can do, you know, all of these other things um, that you can't get just by getting a hearing aid online. And to be honest with you, I don't begrudge anyone who wants to go online and buy a hearing aid. If you know what you're, what you're giving up by going direct online and not having a hearing care professional work with you, I'm totally okay with that. But if you end up, you know, the things that you're looking for, if you can't get them that route, then you need to find a hearing care professional who's going to take the time and have the expertise uh, and the professionalism to know what they're doing, to understand all these different technologies that are out there, to identify the right piece of tech for you as an individual. And if that's what you want, then you need to go to someone who knows what they're doing and who's going to be following best practices in order to do it. But, you know, going back to the aspect of, you know, utilizing this technology that we're lucky it happened in 2020 instead of back in 2015. Well, the, the remote care side of things, I mean, we're talking, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was speaking with Dave Fabry at Starkey and they had the ability to do some like remote adjustments, like using like the old modem, you know, beeps when you hold the phone up <laughs> yeah. and you can like uh, make an adjustment in a hearing aid. They had that, but the adoption was so low, right. they literally got rid of it, okay? But that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen in order to drive what we're going through right now. Like you need to have pioneers who are like, you know what, we're gonna develop this technology, even if nobody uses it right now. We need to be able to, to build upon it as we go into the future. And I think that there's certain manufacturers that, you know, I think, I think 2018 is, is, or no, I think maybe early 2019 is when I made my first video talking about uh, remote programming of hearing devices. But as soon as devices came out that had that capability, I adopted it right off the bat. I set up every single one of my patients with it to where if we ever potentially needed to use it, we had it there. So then when COVID hit, it was like, we just hit the ground running. It wasn't a problem. Um, unfortunately, it takes massive events like that to drive individuals in, our, in my industry anyway, to adopt this technology that they could have adopted prior and had their patients set up for better success. Um, but I think it's gonna continue to improve. And I think that uh, because of COVID, certain other manufacturers have, have ramped up the capabilities that remote programming uh, has. And I think that it's gonna improve as we go into the future. And a quick little side note here, uh, my rep from one of the manufacturers told me that I had done more remote programming sessions than anyone in the country. Uh, and we were kind of like in the middle of the COVID uh, pandemic thing. And so, um, well, I actually, I guess we don't really know where the middle of it was, but you know, I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> when we were going through it. And that's because I am not afraid to adopt new technology in my clinic, even if it creates these, these uncomfortable situations where maybe I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm always trying to stay on top of the curve or ahead of the curve um, with any new tech that comes out. Yeah, I think that one of the, uh, I, I had a conversation with Brian Irvin on here not long ago from Consulier, and he was saying that, you know, with their um, patient management software that they've had this uh, teleaudiology element to it and that like there was minor adoption and it's kind of right time, right place, right time. But like, it was like a matter of making people aware. And then, like you said, like kind of going through that uncomfortable period where you're not really sure you're kind of fumbling around, maybe like, you know, you're just, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And I think that I really hope that this period of time is a, a period where, you know, the people out there, like in any walk of life is using this as a way to kind of like prepare for anything that goes in the same vein as what we're going through right now, where you're just, diversifying the way in which you can do business. And I think that that's what's exciting here. And that's what I meant by like, we're lucky that it's 2020 and not 2015 is that all that technology exists, like all that plumbing exists. And it sounds like it's existed for a long time, but I think that's what's encouraging is that it, the onus is really on, on everybody out there to take it upon themselves to learn this and, and figure out like what makes sense. And I've had a lot of really encouraging conversations with all kinds of different audiologists and, and hearing professionals that have taken it upon themselves to do just that, like to just to your point, learn how to, you know, properly 
do these kinds of things. And what's exciting is that I think when we get on the other side, like some of the conversations I've had, it's, it sure seems like there are going to be elements of this that will remain. Like I've had people say that it's a whole, it's a whole lot more efficient to have like a, uh, an upfront consultation that's done in a tele, you know, remote setting where you're walking through like, okay, let's get a feel of what you're looking for. A, th a big thanks to you. A lot of these patients today are really informed um, about what they're looking for. So they have an idea of that. And I think that it just speaks to this idea that you can like better optimize your practice and your, in, in, in just your business by leveraging some of these new technologies to your advantage so that whether it be an in-person visit, you're actually using this technology able to optimize that better because rather than taking 30 or 45 of your precious time, uh, minutes of your precious time, you can do everything that you were going to in, in 15 because you had one of your um, front office staff or somebody kind of just like vet exactly what it is that they're looking for. So I think there's a lot of like really, really interesting ways that this stuff can be used even beyond a period of time that we're in like today where we're kind of forced to having to do it. Well, and I think patients are increasingly going to demand it. You could see this coming. The, the VA, the Veterans Administration in the U.S. had started telehealth services a couple of years before the pandemic. And it was growing rapidly because they serve disabled people. They serve rural people who are far from the providers. And so already that population was getting used to uncomfortable and appreciating the benefits of telehealth services. And of course, the pandemic just accelerated all of that. And so in hearing care too, it's really, it, it's here to stay. I mean, think about a person who's disabled and has a hard time getting to their hearing care provider. Well, Dr. Cliff can take care of them, no problem, right? Or think about somebody who lives in a small town in the middle of Illinois and their nearest provider is 50 miles away, right? Not an issue, not an issue. And that will also help break down the barriers to getting appropriate care for those people. And even people like me, I'm in the middle of a busy work day or I'm traveling and, you know, I have some difficulty. Why can't I, you know, have a remote session with my provider? You know, the, these are the sorts of things that I think increasingly people will come to expect. You talked about under 65 year old people, Cliff, and you know, how they have no stigma and they really just want to solve a problem and they want to understand what it takes. Well, I think those same people are the ones who are going to say, why do I have to take off of work and drive to an office? when there's something is completely within the capability of a, of a remote service provider today. So both from the accessibility and the convenience standpoint, I think it's a seminal change that will stay. Yeah, and I think, you know, just like everything we've talked about thus far, I think it's a progression. I, I, made, a, I made another video talking about the limitations of remote programming, you know, uh, basically a, a rant about like, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this other thing. But I think that there's a blending that happens right now. And I think that as the technology progresses into the future, because when you really think about it, we're still super early on all this stuff right now. And with the rate of progression of tech, we're, I'm, I expect to see it ramp up and get even better and more robust as time goes on. Um, but in order for it to do that, we have to keep up the, the use of it. Um, and, and the other thing is, is that I have a unique insight in the sense that, so I have a, a, a network of providers who have committed to following best practices. And so consumers know this and they'll reach out to me and say, hey, Dr. Cliff, um, I, I really wanted to go to this provider, but they don't say anything about doing remote care on their website. So I don't think I can go to them because I really want a, a provider who can do that. And I'm like, geez, like the consumers are looking specifically for certain things from hearing care providers. And we have to do a good job of letting these individuals know that we have the capability and we can't shy away uh, as, as a hearing care provider from these new technologies that you might feel uncomfortable with uh, because you feel uncomfortable with them. Like people want them and it's our job as a professional to stay on top of these changes and to go through the pain of learning them. And if we don't do that, then the consumer is going to go to the person who is, and that person will be more than happy to take that patient. Yeah, that's very well said there. And I think it, you're right. Like, it's like, we're at this seminal moment where the game has changed. Like the expectations have changed to Andy's point, uh, you know, and Cliff, your point, like this idea that 
the status quo, it's not sufficient uh, in, in a lot of different consumers' eyes anymore, in a lot of patients' eyes. Like, they are now looking for this stuff. And, and unless they meet these things, I think that it's like a non-starter. And so like as a business owner, you don't want that. You don't want to just immediately be dismissed by this. But I think that ultimately, just like you said, Cliff, like we are in a progression. And I think that's what's so exciting is like, you're right. Like you go back six years and you think about the state of not only the technology of the hearing aids, but like the connectivity and the apps and everything has become just dramatically better and cooler and, 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 and just more empowering to the patient. And so I think it's going to be super exciting to watch this play out over the next five years, because again, I'll just keep reharping on this. This is an awesome time to be involved in this industry. I think that you look at all of these converging trends that are happening right now, whether it be the an advancement of the of the actual hearing aids and the ways that we're actually starting to solve some of these like historically challenging things like speech and noise. And like you said, the Holy grail, we're getting there. And I think we're going to get there here sooner than we think. And so the question then becomes like, well, what, what then, right? Like what are going to be the things that that then leads into? So as we kind of wrap up, why don't we just kind of like real quickly cliff in the next few years, what are the things that you're really excited about? Like, what are you really hoping for both as an audiologist and then also just as like a tech enthusiast from your YouTube channel? Yeah, I mean, um, I really can't wait for the new Bluetooth <laughs> to come out. I yes, think, LE Audio. Man, that's going to be... It's going to be huge. Uh, I think that's going to be a game changer, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, and also like using this aspect of... of I guess vision in order to improve signal to noise ratio as well. I've seen uh, if you uh, on my channel, I was talking about this future uh, a way to separate speech from background noise and having hearing devices basically either use your eye movement to identify the the specific speech that you want to hear versus the background noise. And I've I've heard some pretty uh, compelling audio clips of using this like Google artificial intelligence to separate speech from background noise. And you're like, holy cow, that is amazing, you know? Um, but I, I think that anything that has to do with improving speech understanding and background noise, I think that the connectivity thing is going to continue to progress. Um, I'm a huge fan of telecoils inside of hearing aids, but I think that there's finally tech that's on the way that can potentially supersede that and be even better as we go here into the future, um, because I want people to be able to experience the benefit of what telecoil gives you, but not have so many limitations around it based on the facilities that you go into. And I think that if those problems can be solved, that's going to be a huge improvement for consumers. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything Cliff said, because the, the Bluetooth capability and the, the new Bluetooth standard capability means it will be much less expensive to install what's now a telecoil system so that you will have it in individual train cars announcing the stops at the next station, for example. It will be affordable to do that. And so that's going to really uh, boost the accessibility for people who you know, otherwise may have a telecoil, but can only use them in their local movie theater, nowhere else. But I kind of step back and look at it a little more globally that the convergence coming with consumer devices and hearing aid devices means there are gonna be solutions all up and down the spectrum, right? Right now, such a small percentage of people with mild hearing loss will have it addressed and they'll struggle in those situations and they'll check out of conversations in restaurants and then they'll let their hearing loss progress farther and farther until they can't take it anymore. Uh, you know, I'm speaking a bit from personal experience here too, like everybody else. And when we have the range of solutions, you know, from mild loss consumer devices to hearing aids with all the tech that Cliff just described so that even a profoundly hearing impaired person can have better audibility in difficult situations, then I think we're really going to be in a good place because people will start their hearing journey sooner. Uh, they'll have better lifestyles. They'll be happier. They'll be, you know, apparently from the latest research, lower the incidence or at least slow the progression of dementia. A lot of good outcomes are going to come from the fact that we'll have a breadth of uh, solutions 
for the different kinds of hearing loss from mild to profound, all improving as we go year after year. Yeah, we didn't even touch on like how cochlear implants and the different solutions that exist today for the profoundly impaired are progressing too. I mean, it really is, you're right. Like it's kind of like across the board, we're seeing so many cool innovations happening. And for me, I think that, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting when you start to see some of these major tech players start to get involved in this space in a more, um, meaningful way that, you know, kind of like what Cliff touched on there with like Google and some of the different ways that it can use all of its AI prowess, like whether it be with machine learning um, or just all of the different capabilities that has Facebook getting into the mix, Apple, you know, Amazon's going to be involved in some way. So that's, I think, going to be interesting to watch too. But regardless, I think that the providers and the patients are ultimately going to be the ones that really win here because I think that we're, we're shaping up for way, way more consumer demand, um, whether it be for the low end and just getting something and, and, and it kind of being an inverted value proposition where you have it being more features first and then the amplification is kind of like a secondary use case. Um, or it's going to be the people, like you said, Andy, where they start their journey earlier and they actually feel a lot more compelled to go seek out this treatment. And, you know, with an increase in demand, sure, you're going to have people that are going to be do-it-yourselfers or they're going to be ones that want to buy things online, whatever. So be it. Like the pie is going to grow. And there's going to be, I think, a very large subset of people that are going to want to seek out professional um, guidance and, and that expertise that the, the professional community is, is going to lend itself to. And so I think that the onus is on the professionals, though, to, to market themselves appropriately and, and make sure that they're, um, you know, in, in the consumer's mind as such, that, the, that they're abiding by not only best practices, but they are facilitating their services in a way that's conducive to the expectations of the time. Well, cool guys. Well, thank you two very much for joining me today. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.